Jesus says to you, Jesus' desire for you is that you have life and that you have it to the full. That you have an abundance is another way that it's often written. That you have an abundant life. Jesus also tells us that the abundance of life is not contained in the number of possessions that we have. We are tempted to think differently. We love what we have. And there's nothing wrong with that as you realize that all that you have is a gift from God. All that you have. This brings about then the humility that our Lord asks of all of His children. That we humbly acknowledge and confess that we are nothing without God. One of my seminary professors, my favorite seminary professor, used to always remind us that there's nothing so humbling as to be nothing but given to. And that's what we are. You are breathing right now as a gift from God. Do you realize that? You didn't wake up in the morning and turn on the switch, did you? Your breathing switch, that is. God gives you breath. And God gives you life. And He wants you to have it to the full. But beware of possessions. Beware of these false gods that want to take us over. Having life to the full includes feasting. Maybe that's in the plans for you, some of you, with respect to Father's Day. Maybe there's going to be some feasting involved. That's good. All comes from God. Fathers. All of us had one. All of us have one. Fathers, food, drink, all of it is a gift from God. But we're not quite to the life of abundance that Jesus wants for each one of us when we think in those terms. Yes, it involves feasting. We heard about it today in the Gospel reading, didn't we? We sang it just now in the, in the hymn that we sang that all would come to the feast that all would come to the feast in this life so that they would eventually come to, as it's described in Revelation chapter 19, the marriage feast of the Lamb in the kingdom which has no end. To that end, we must come to the feast as we are called, as we are beckoned. We must come to the feast here in this life so that we would have life to the full, an abundant life as Jesus would have it for you. Those are the key words, aren't they? For you given and shed for you for forgiveness the abundant life is grounded in forgiveness forgiveness given to sinners so we must come to the feast we must open our ears and by opening our ears drink in every word that proceeds from the mouth of god in order to live we must come to the feast and open our mouths so that we receive 
as Jesus gives it to us, His body and His blood. And therein is the feast. The early church father, Ignatius, referred to the Lord's Supper as a medicine of immortality. As we are sick in our sin, we need medicine. And so we come to the feast for that very thing, don't we? We come to receive the medicine. We come into the presence of our Savior Jesus, who is here speaking His words into our ears so that we can live, and feeding us His body and blood so that we can live forever. John chapter 6 says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. If you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have eternal life. And He will raise you up on the last day. Those are blessed words. Those are gifts from God. Nothing that we can accomplish. We can't conquer our death. Jesus has he suffered. He died. He rose so that we can have life. We must feast. Do not ignore the cry. Always take advantage of the opportunity to return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for you so that you can live. St. Luke, in the 14th chapter, talks much about feasting. In fact, the chapter begins with Jesus going to the home of a Pharisee to feast. He wants to take the opportunity to put into their ears words of life, words of salvation, if they would receive them. And so throughout the chapter, he's talking about banqueting. Right before the words that we have today, he especially encourages those who are listening at that time and, and to us today to have the opportunity in feasting to tell others of Jesus. In fact, he, he tells them, as he's sitting there at table with the Pharisees, he tells them not only to invite their rich friends and those that that are uh, prosperous and those that they are close to, but invite the lame and the crippled and the poor also because all need to feast. All need Jesus because all are sinners and all need the salvation that He alone can give for the sake of life. And after hearing those words, there was one at the table who cried out, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. True that. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And we're not talking about just the future kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom as it is here with us today. Doesn't Jesus say where two or three are gathered together in my name? There I am in the midst of them. Here is the kingdom that Jesus brings to us. And dear friends in Christ, here is the feasting to be done. The feast is ready. Come to the feast. Every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock here at Grace, the feast is ready. Come to the feast so that you can live, so that you can have the abundance of life, so that you can be filled up with your Savior Jesus, and then live that life day by day 
as you go throughout your week. Because, you know, what the week might bring is death. We're always facing it. But Jesus would have us live, and that forever. So we need to feast while we can. We need to come and receive. And that's what he's saying here, isn't he? He's making it clear that this, that this feasting is for everyone. He's making it clear that there's, there is opportunity for feasting. You see, there are, those, there are those, and he's sitting in the midst of the Pharisees, he's sitting in the midst of these who are of his own people, of the, of, of the Jews who, have been, who had been taught God's word, and they knew the Messiah was coming. He's making it clear to them that he is the Messiah, that he has come to rescue them from sin and death, and that they should feast on him. But they would not. He says it again this way. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. They knew that the, that the feasting was coming in, G, in the Savior, in the Messiah. And now we see it in Jesus. They knew this. And yet they didn't want any part of the feast. And they had their excuses. And they're excuses that are common even today. Remember what Jesus says. That, that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And yet, that's where we're often led, isn't it? Or, should I say, misled. We are misled into our life and into our possessions, but that without Jesus, without acknowledging that all things are a gift from God through Jesus our Savior. So the excuses. I bought a field. I've got work to do. I've got work to do. I bought a field. I need to go out and see what's going on there, whether or not the crops are coming up. And I have time. And I'll have time for the feast. Maybe sometime in the future I can get around to it. I have work to do. I have things to do. Another said, I have five yoke of oxen. It's really interesting to me that the early church fathers, this five yoke of oxen, they, they used uh, these words to talk about the five senses that every human being has five senses and how we misuse our senses for the sake of pleasure, for the sake of life. I can't come to church today. The chiefs are playing. What's more important after all? Say, listen, I love the chiefs too, but not more than my God and not more than the feasting. The five senses that carry us away to the pleasures of life. I've got work to do, and I've got fun to be had. 
I'll have time for God somewhere down the road, sometime later. Don't worry about me. I have faith. The third said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. You know how Jesus responded to this at a different time? He said, unless you hate your wife, your husband, your children, unless you hate them and love me more, you don't understand what true faith is. Now, he didn't mean hate in the sense of rejecting them. He's simply saying, love me above all things. Even family, even husbands and wives and children. As a pastor for 30 years, I've heard many times people say to me, the most important thing in my life is my family. It's not the most important thing in a Christian's life. And family is a gift from God. So we should rejoice in the gift of family, shouldn't we? But not worship our family. Not worship our children, our children, our parents. But rather return to the worship of the God who saves, the God who gives life and gives it to the full, gives it abundantly. These excuses were not just an insult to God. These excuses led to the rejection of God. The rejection by the people of God and ultimately by God saying to them, the door is shut. There comes that time. So don't let that happen to you. Come, everything is ready. Pastor Thorson says that to you all the time, doesn't he? He says it to every member of this congregation. Come, the feast is ready. Why would you not? Why would you not come to where Jesus is for you to give you life? In the midst of this world that more and more seems to be falling apart, and it does that in many ways. It does, it does that for us as a society, but also does that for us personally. Why wouldn't we come to a God who can put us back together, who can give us life, who can restore joy in the midst of our sorrow, who can give us peace in place of fear, who can forgive our sins and truly give us life? Come. In the rejection Our God says, there are more. There are more who will hear. There are more who can come. So he tells his servants, he says, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city. Don't worry about those who are prosperous. Don't worry about those who are know-it-alls. Don't worry about those who don't need Jesus. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And certainly we can talk about the physical elements, but but also the the spiritual elements of all of these. True? Poor in spirit, crippled, blind, lame to the things of God in order that they might know who Jesus is and that what true life is. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. There still is room. 
You see, this is a picture, too, of what was going on in Jesus' day, that the gospel was not just for the people of Israel, the Jews, but rather the gospel was for many, for Gentiles, too, for all who had ears to hear, that faith would come by hearing and hearing that focuses upon Jesus, Jesus who gives life. Indeed, the call has gone out to many, and many have come. And yet God still doesn't give up. He says, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. I read an interesting element of this with respect to the culture of Jesus' day, that if, if there would have been a great feast and there would have been those who had gone out into the community to bring people into the feast, they would have immediately said no because they would have known that's not their place. I think some people feel that way about the church. That's not the place for me. So what happens when they feel that way? Well, let's compel them. Let's do what Jesus says, right? Let's help them to understand that this is exactly the place where they need to be. Where God is present for them, with them, to love them, to forgive them, to give them everything that the world cannot give. And that's life and life to the full. And Jesus speaks those final words of judgment, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The door is shut to those who don't need Jesus. Don't give up. Always return. Keep coming. Keep feasting. Jesus compels you. He cries to you. Whatever it takes. He wants you to come. But he also wants others to come. I emphasize, I tried to emphasize that phrase. There is still more room. Look down the pew, would you? There is still more room. For family members who have wandered away, for our neighbors, for those who have never known who Jesus is and need to know, there is still more room. And it's all of our joy to be able to help those who need Jesus to have Jesus and to feast with us now in this kingdom and forevermore in the kingdom to come. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. Amen.